0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode fourteen of Mendoza Line. My name is Cam. I'm talking to Nick. Nick, what is up?
1: How's it going, Cam?
0: Uh, you know, I'm 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 better now that I'm talking to you.
1: Oh, that's that's so sweet. Well, you know.
0: <laughs> this is going so well. Hey Nick, uh who you got with you?
1: Yeah, we uh one of our most loyal and uh, biggest advocates of the Mendoza line podcast. Uh, just wanted to be on the uh, the podcast so bad this week that he came all the way out from Indiana. Uh, my father, Gary Coates, is going to be joining us live and in person today from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'd just like
2: to thank you guys for the opportunity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the
2: pleasure is all
0: ours, Gary. We're glad that you're here to drop some serious knowledge on us.
2: You guys do a good job. I mean, sometimes when I'm sitting and listening at home, I'll I'll hear something and I'll be like, "Oh, oh, I just wish I could, you know, let them, you know, let them know about that, but drop uh, some knowledge." But uh I will say last week, you know, Nick covered that uh that topic of South pretty well because uh, he pretty much said everything that I was going to call and tell him. So Well, and talk what a guess. That
1: was I mean, I got lucky on that one. That was impressive. Yeah, he did good on that. Just use deductive reasoning.
0: <laughs> All right, Sherlock.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: I I, uh, I I demand now to be referred to as North Paw. Though I feel like that's just yeah. You uh, never
1: hear that term.
0: Yeah. Your my. I'm trying to think of the word. It's not racist or sexist. It's it's uh,
2: preferred armist. That's yeah, what it is. I mean, is. if you're right-handed, nobody ever says, "Hey, he's
1: right-handed." You know, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's the norm. <laughs> this is true
0: yeah we don't we don't use right-handed scissors we use right. scissors <laughs> that's
1: culture for you you always got to point out what's what's not normal yeah what's different so those yeah. of us in the minority of being southpaws um we we have a hard life especially in school nothing is really set up for us from the desk yeah. to the well, notebooks but
0: i digress yes yeah, so you you live in a in a right-handed man's world um but so Random story about being right or left-handed here just to, you know, start the show off on a very on-topic discussion. Uh, My sister, my youngest sister, who's actually visiting me this weekend, she drove out from Denver here to Kansas City, so yay for families and the holidays. Um, But when she was uh, four, she had a brain tumor, and her first meal after surgery, she picked up the fork with her left hand and started eating. And my dad asked her what she was doing, and she, you know, of course, being a four-year-old, gave him sass. I'm eating. My dad said, well, why are you using your left hand? And she looked at him and said, because I'm left-handed. And my dad said, no, you're not. You're right-handed. Yeah, Dad, I'm le- I've am i always been left-handed. She had zero recollection of ever being right-handed, even though she had been right-handed for the first four years of her life. <laughs> and so she came out of the surgery not knowing she was ever a righty and just assuming that, yeah, i just left-handed. That's what I do. She's so. still a lefty. Yeah, to this day, she's 23 years old, and she's still a lefty. That's an incredible story. I've never heard anything like it. So. <laughs> it was one of those head scratches. We're like, what did they do while they were in there? Like, What else did they change about you? <laughs> so yeah, super cool, uh, really random. but uh, Nick, what should we talk about now that I've derailed the show?
1: Um, we have a few news items uh, we could cover uh, before we dive into our main topic today. Uh, but we we had made mention last week about trade season uh, coming up. Yes, it's exciting. So we, there's a, f- I mean, we've had a few uh, more minor ones, but one of the bigger uh, ones uh, of this year was uh, this week. Uh, Fernando Radney of the San Diego, well, formerly of the San Diego Padres, uh, was traded to the Marlins this past week for a uh, pitching prospect um uh, from the Marlins and from what i've gathered the Marlins don't have the best farm system but uh, everyone seemed to think that uh, of the few good players they have he was one of those that was involved in this deal so um it's an interesting move especially for the Marlins um not necessarily being in uh probably not really having a chance at the division with the the Mets and Nationals probably being more or better teams but uh kind of following that Royals model of stacking up on big arms in the at the end of the bullpen Rodney despite his being pretty inconsistent the last few years I think the last couple of years he's been borderline um yeah not even usable but he is <laughs> yeah he's actually having a really good year up to this point he I think he's given up one earned one run all year and that was like a I think the ball hit the bag and bounced up. And that's the one. So he's he's having a really good year. So the Marlins kind of coming out of nowhere here, being aggressive and uh, trading for him. Um, so yeah, that'll be the first of, uh, several this month that I'm sure we'll trade on. But be interesting to see, uh, yeah, if that helps their spur solidify their bullpen or whatnot. Uh, another item, the Indians have kind of been on a impressive hot streak the past couple weeks. They had a 14-game winning streak snapped a couple days ago, but it started, I, I believe it started uh, game six of the NBA Finals, because of, of course the Cavs are in the NBA Finals. So riding the momentum of a Cavs championship, they didn't lose for basically two weeks after that, and now have padded a little bit of a lead in the Central. So if you remember, they the Indians were uh a popular pick of mine when we were doing our predictions and uh best uh starters and bullpens edition uh, the Indians were on there so that seems to one of the few things that I got right this year was that the Indians were going to be maybe better than expected so yeah I got to take this opportunity to pat myself on the back a little bit especially <laughs> since I picked Chris Archer to win the Cy Young and he's been awful Not this year doing so, so well so. You know, you win some, you lose some.
0: Well, no, because the Tigers are playing the Rays right now, and Archer did get 10 strikeouts against the Tigers. And the Tigers won it in the eighth, so I don't know if that was off of him or not, but got to give a little credit to us, <laughs> two. He had one good game. Yeah, he did.
1: So um, one other thing, the international uh, signing period started uh, yesterday morning, so... So the way baseball has it set up, so we just had the the MLB draft was the beginning in June. So that's basically for uh, U.S., Canadian, and Puerto Rican players, and then everybody else, pretty much in the current system, is kind of lope, uh, lumped into the international. And it's much; it's not a draft. It's basically uh, more of a free agent kind of feeding frenzy. So the basically. You're eligible to sign when you turn 16, so a bunch of 16-year-old kids signed for millions of dollars yesterday, and it's a really interesting system because uh, each team is its similar to the draft in that you're allotted a certain amount of money to spend, but certain teams kind of blow by that allotment because there's really no penalty except for kind of that being taxed, so they play double. So, for instance, last year, I think the Dodgers had like $3 million to spend, and um, they ended up spending around ninety-six million, including taxes. So, yeah, they're not really playing by the rules in that regard. And that's—they're uh, already talking about in the next CBA, maybe implementing some sort of international draft because it's a huge competitive advantage for the large-market teams who, who well, have the money. Well, if
0: if if there's no penalty, right, it's just other more than money, taxes, then then it's not really against the rules to spend that money, right?
1: Right. Um, they do. They're not allowed to if a team goes over their limit they're not allowed to spend more than their more than like $300,000 per player for the next two signing periods. But so yeah, I mean it's not like oh, a egregious okay. breaking of rules but they the framework of what baseball put in place has just been kind of ignored by certain teams. So I think that'll be something that'll change but um I'm not sure what the Tigers did but the Reds signed a Cuban shortstop named Alfredo Rodriguez, the next A-Rod, I'm, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, they signed him to, like, $7 million, the highest signing bonus. Reports on him were that he was a really good defender, had some speed, but that he couldn't hit worth a lick. So not too optimistic about that, but we'll see.
0: I can't hit worth a lick. I'll gladly take $7 million.
1: Well, if he can play some defense and have some speed... And maybe you'll get signed, but I don't know. I
0: I think my skills would be more in line with Will Farrell's from his uh, baseball special that he did. Did you ever watch that?
1: Oh, I never. Farrell takes the field.
0: Yeah, yeah, he plays every position, including third base coach. Yeah, I saw that. That was uh,
2: that was in spring training. Uh, was it last year? Mm-hmm. Yes, I believe he so. He went
1: around in helicopter by helicopter, I think, to different.
0: Mm-hmm. He gets in a yelling match with Billy Bean. It's quite funny.
1: Uh, I would love to know Gary's
0: thoughts on this whole international signing. Uh, <laughs> well, scenario. I, I
2: gotta, I gotta admit, I kind of snoozed off on that part of it. Um, <laughs> I'm not as much into the international well, uh, signing um, part of it. That seems, I don't know, it's just a little bit beyond my reach. But what, what was your specific question, Cam? Just
0: more like in um, procedure. Like, is it? Is it weird to you that you can only draft I think Nick said American, Canadian, Puerto Ricans and everyone else, it's just kinda like bigger markets are gonna have more money to throw yeah, around. I'd, I'd really, you know, yeah. Why the Yankees always land a Japanese pitcher, you know, that sort of stuff.
2: I think that whole I love the fact that uh, major league baseball is truly an international sport. I think I don't think any other um sport can quite boast that. I think the NBA is becoming more and more like along that lines, but not never to the to, the degree that major league baseball has been. And so I do think it's fascinating um, the way that players are brought into the game in America, but um, yeah, lots changed. I know the Reds, you know, a few years ago signed a role as Chapman and that, you know, kind of t- took everybody su- by surprise and obviously turned out to be a really great pick uh, for them. But you I think there's kind of always been a lack of understanding least on my part of how they get to that
1: you know and how they're able to do that so right the rules I think how they're set up now that what we're talking about with the signing period is basically for players that are under the age of like I think it's 22 or 23 so certain players like Chapman back in the day we signed another guy named Iglesias they were older so they're more what I don't even know how it works but basically they're they're declared free agents by the MLB after they go some, through some sort of process. And with Cubans, it was... They basically, because of the embargo with the United States, they had to establish residency in another country. So it's this big, long ordeal, really complicated. Um, There's a lot of crazy stories, I know, that have come out um, of certain players that and how they got over to certain countries. And, you know, it was dangerous back in the day of defecting and, and whatnot. But I guess what's crazy is more along the long lines of these are most of these kids are 16 years old and they're you know they're coming from poverty most likely and they're getting uh, paid millions of dollars and you know one reason why it probably isn't a bigger deal than it is is because it's it's basically buying a lottery ticket with a lot of these kids like you just have no idea when they're 16 what they're gonna project to when they're you know you know most of them aren't gonna make the majors and until they're twenty-two to maybe their mid-twenties, you're talking about almost five years to a decade of that. So, you know, the bigger market teams can can buy those lottery tickets and not have the remorse. So, like you know, you got the Reds and other smaller market teams; they can't just throw a bunch of money at those players, or it's kind of a waste, especially if they don't work out. So, but yeah. Well, and this.
2: Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gary. I was going to say, but yet the Dodgers signing of this young pitcher, Urias. Um, that that doesn't play into this, right? Because he being from Mexico doesn't
1: fall under that same Well, he did. He signed, but I mean he signed when he was sixteen. Right. So that would have been just I mean, he's he's still only nineteen, so that was three years that, ago.
2: That was an interesting story too, because they actually went there to watch another player and uh,
1: discovered him while yeah. they were there on a scouting trip to watch someone else. Right. And I mean it's you have certain players I, I know Others that have become really big-time prospects that were signed for, you know, ten to fifty thousand, much on the lower end of the scale. Where, so you just don't know. It, it's where teams have to be good at scouting. And I was reading an article because there's a lot of pushback to why the Reds are spending that amount of money on a guy that this this guy's actually a little bit older. He's 22, but and he can't hit. But they, um, you know, they scout. They were saying how you got to really like scout these guys well because you you yeah, like, these risks they're risks and you got to know what you're doing. And I mean, they when they they signed Chapman and Iglesias when no one else did and gave them more money, so you got to, I guess, in my situation, I got to trust that they know what they're doing because those two players turned out to yeah, have a lot of talent. And you know, they probably paid them thinking that they would be starting pitchers that would be more valuable, but they didn't. They ended up, obviously, in Chapman's case, being a really valuable bullpen piece, and that's kind of what Iglesias is looking like the road that he's going down. But I think it's crazy, too, because you you think about players coming from Venezuela and the corruption going on down there. I know Baseball America would not publish the signing bonuses for them because there are certain situations where those, you know, certain family members get kidnapped and held for ransom, and it's just crazy you know, when you think about it, it's, you know, certain places are more corrupt than here and coming from poverty and a uh, pretty life-changing thing. But, um, so yeah, those, those signings happened yesterday. And, um, I think the Braves and Padres were the most aggressive as far as spending the most money because teams like the Yankees and Dodgers weren't allowed uh, to this year, but
0: well and that that kind of fits with the braves current mo of just rebuilding and stocking up on on prospects and
1: yeah they're they're basically taking the approach of um well they're they're definitely tanking the last year and this year and then they're with the draft when they they pick those really high high risk high um, reward high school pitchers and they're kind of doing the same thing with they're just like accumulating as many high-end prospects as they can and hoping that a certain amount of them work out, but they're they're going to be pretty bad for a few years here before it works out. So you got to hope that you hold on to your your fan base in that in that time. Do you think that that means that Freddie Freeman is up for a trade? I would I would think so. I don't really. I mean, if
0: I am Freddie Freeman,
1: I have to yeah, in the I'll back of my mind mo- exactly because you know,
0: like I'm he's in the prime of his career. Maybe you know he's maybe got four or five more years where he can maintain. You know, or or improve before he you know starts to get older. But it's just like it's clear that the organization on every level is saying we are stockpiling prospects and this is a long term rebuild. I would yeah I would be like I appreciate what you're doing. You guys have been good to me. Please 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 send me somewhere where I can apply my trade on a team that actually wants to win and use what I'm what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll be interesting, I think, to see if he does get traded, if they wait till next year to do it or, or what, but it just seems odd that, you know, now I, he's not the best player in the league, but he's, he's pretty
1: good. He has some value for sure.
0: So, um, one thing I did want to say, and, and I'll keep this short cause I know that soccer is not, you know, your cup of tea. Um, but the only other sport that in my mind compares to how baseball does um, drafts and development, like you know, double A, triple A, single A, uh, small ball, and, and you know, uh, uh, what is it um, rookie the, ball? Yeah, yeah the you know, win- winter leagues and that sort of stuff. Signing guys at sixteen. The only other sport on the entire planet that does stuff that in depth is soccer. Um, you know, each club has their academy, and I mean, there's kids as young as nine and ten that play for Barcelona's academy teams. That's crazy. I mean, Messi, I'm pretty sure Messi came from Argentina to Spain when he was, like, 15 to play for Barcelona's academy. And so the family uproots, moves to a new country, gets plugged into, you know, the the academy provides tutors and schooling for the kids, and and it's, yeah. But you look at, like, uh, you know, Gary mentioned NBA, for example. The only, there's the NBA D-League, but that's only for guys that either – fail out of the NBA or overachievers that shouldn't even be in the NBA but are trying to just based on work ethic. There's not that developmental pros- process that, you know, baseball has with the three minor leagues. So that right.
1: – You pretty much you, – you can play or you can't.
0: Exactly. And, and it's pretty clear. I mean, there is a million college basketball teams, and that's what makes March Madness so fun is you get the schools like Wichita State or uh, Virginia – uh, Commonwealth or, you know, whoever, you know, the, the darling of the tournament is. But you realize none of those guys are ever going to see the NBA. They play they play solid team basketball and good defense and that's what gets them through but none of them individually have the skill to ever play in the NBA. It's pretty
2: and a lot of times they're upper class they have a lot of upper classmen on their team. Mm-hmm. Um they've held their team together. They're not like the Dukes or the teams where they're one and done. So exactly they've had time to develop um yeah, and good understand team
0: yeah, exactly. And and uh you know, football is like that, too. Um, so I, this this aspect of baseball is something that um, intrigued me because, you know, you, you mentioned lottery ticket, which is totally true because, I mean, just look at our own lives when we were 16 and what we were good at and what we were interested in and what skills we possessed to, you know, fast forward now, how much different are we? How much better are we at certain things? And,
1: I mean... Like, when you think about it, people totally, ch- like, they're... You grow like your growth is not even close to being done when you're 16 so it's it's a lot of it is projection and um yeah current athleticism and you'd hope that they don't stop growing or grow too much or or whatever but yeah 16 is is so young when you think about it
0: yeah it just that that whole process just fascinates me and and they're doing it with 16 year olds from all over the world not It's not like, you know, the Tigers are focusing on 16-year-olds in Michigan. (laughs) So, Right. anyways, there's there's a big baseball game tonight, apparently. What's that all
1: about? Yeah, there's a game tonight. Actually, I remember looking at the schedule, and I'm like, why are the Braves and Marlins playing on Sunday Night Baseball? That seems really out of place. But they've had this scheduled for a while now, but they're playing a game in Fort Bragg in North Carolina. It's a big military base. And it's actually the first um, Major League Baseball game ever in North Carolina. And they're playing it in front of like 12,500 uh, servicemen and women.
2: On a field that was produced <laughs> from scratch. Yeah,
1: they just built it this year. Field of Dreams? Kind
2: of, yeah, in a sense. And then so, I think is going to donate it. You know,
1: obviously they're just going to turn it over to the... Um, yeah, it's for- actually on the base. Yeah, so they're going to donate it to the um to the military military so it's a pretty cool way to um bring or to give back to the those people obviously that are serving um it's a good time of year obviously the day before fourth of july but just completely uh unique and new thing that uh, just this sort of thing just never happens besides sometimes at the beginning of the year certain teams will play over in japan or um, Australia, Australia, <laughs> but not nothing like this where it's in the middle of the uh, middle of it. Cause I mean, they've been playing a series out in Atlanta, so they must've just moved up to North Carolina today and then they'll go on after that. But,
0: well, and I think it's really cool that they
1: built the stadium
0: specifically for one game, which is just seems like a ridiculous use of money, but, uh, <laughs> but so it's, it's, this is not about making money so much uh, like the NHL Winter Classic game, where they put a rink in a baseball stadium or a football stadium, or the uh, all the soccer tours that happen before the season, where they go to Japan and Thailand and, and they get all of the the money, or when all the European teams come over to America for the the pre the preseason tours, where it's it's all about marketing and making more money. Uh, this seems to me like you don't build a stadium because you want to make money like this is a we want to do something certainly it's a good pr move for sure like this makes yeah. this makes
2: baseball look really good but there's no way that, well, that money was that money was better spent than i would say uh the former NBA player salary uh, was it Delonte West, who I saw holding a cardboard sign this week begging for money. Are you kidding um, so, me? So I contend that maybe that was a bigger waste of um, money. Than oh my god! Donating this stadium to the yeah. U.S. military. Yeah,
0: no. And 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 baseball clearly has the money to, to do what it wants, but the fact that they chose to do something like this over like the NFL playing in London—that's a total money move. That's not. Yeah. Yes, that's, you're right. You know, so this to me is just like. It further,
1: um, it enhances the brand. Well, which... it
0: does for sure. But this, to me, it it, it kind of ex- extends that baseball as the, the American pastime. It's the the good guys. It's you know. Whereas yeah,
1: you get those patriotic warms and. Fuzzies. Going. Exactly.
0: And I just, it, it fits baseball. Like baseball is, you know, the American pastime. It is what, you know, a dad teaches his son how to throw and how to catch and how to hit. And it just hits all of those, like you said, warm and fuzzies, just good. Like, all right, at least one sports league's not corrupt. Wink, wink, you know? so <laughs> It's just
1: good oh, move. It's the, yeah. It's one of the best sports, in my opinion. And nothing goes
2: back further in American history than baseball. So. It's very fit, very fitting that they would choose to do this. Definitely.
0: All right. I think it's time that we hit our main topic, unless, of course, the two coats gentlemen have anything else they want to add.
1: No, let's go for it. All
0: right. Uh, main topic is lots of mini topics. So well, there we go. Uh, we <laughs> Nick decided that this week's main topic would be a random thought thread, which, you know, I applaud. So Nick, what's our first random thought?
1: So yeah, we we'll, uh we got some different uh topics, especially having my dad here. I, he's got opinions and we have conversations about certain things, so um I, I just thought this would be a good format, um to kinda yeah, discuss a few things. We'll see where it goes. But uh the first one, we are basically at the half point of the season, um uh as we stand, so Maybe we all can kind of talk through maybe some surprises so far, um, things that have roasted out to us in uh, the first half of the baseball season. So, I don't know. Does anyone have anything pressing? Well
2: one of the one of the things I thought about goes back to your very first news topic of the evening about the Miami Marlins and their recent trade for Fernando Rodney, and I got to thinking about how how many times I've underestimated the Miami Marlins or Florida Marlins. And um about the time I think I have that organization figured out, um, I realized that I don't. And it was just a few years ago that they had Hanley Ramirez and Logan Morrison and a young jean Carlo a young Mike Stanton at the time. Jose Reyes. Jose Reyes. I mean, they had a they had a team that they tore down, you Mark know. Mark Burley was on the team. And they yes, they left, they left Stanton there. But, you know, I thought, okay, you know, complete rebuild job. A lot of fans were mad uh, about the new stadium. Felt like they had been misled by ownership. Um, just things didn't have a very good feel t- to it down there, you know? And then, and then going back to last year, they hired a manager that had never managed before. He was out of the front office. Contra controversial move. You think, does anybody really know what they're doing in this organization? And then along comes D Gordon and he's just lights out. Right. and, now you got Dan, Don Mattingly as the the manager and Barry Bonds as the hitting coach, and Mike Stanton's going into a slump, and all these things are happening. And then the suspension of of D Gordon, and you're just thinking they're done. And then here come the Miami Marlins; they're still relevant. And it, that is my biggest surprise so far in this season. Is
1: you know I I can't figure this organization out. Yeah, they're weird. They they. Um, they just do some random things sometimes. They make they made a few trades where they basically I was trying to think who it was. They traded um, at last year's deadline. They traded a couple of people, and it basically got like nothing back. Um, it was basically a total salary shedding move. So, but yet they they gave Giancarlo Stanton like one of the biggest contracts in American sports history. Um, so yeah, they. They are not a traditional organization whatsoever, and they've won two World Series in the last sixteen years, which is crazy. Uh, I think my one of my biggest surprises um, on the bat. I think I have the Twins are just awful this year, and I had like, I mean, I didn't pick them to win, but they were, they were on a five. They were pushing the playoffs last year, and they had the top prospect in all of baseball um, who won their starting center fielder job. And they, I mean, their, their rotation had some big names, but it wasn't like, um, they had a bunch of nobodies or whatever, but they are, uh, just awful. They are, obviously they're the worst team in the league right now. And I don't, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm not like completely like this is out of the blue, but I'm, I'm definitely surprised uh that they're as bad as they are. The Angels are pretty bad too. And the Angels, <laughs> yeah, they and you got the best best player in the whole league. Um one of the biggest payrolls in the whole league and they're the yeah, the second they're tied for the second worst in the American League.
0: Yeah, and so I th- I think the, your point there that they have the that just enormous payroll and they're that bad like that. Yeah, which <laughs>
1: I mean, that's another organization It's like, you know, and what yet, are they doing? They, I mean, they paid Josh Hamilton, you know, that huge contract. He was there for, what, like a year or two? And they basically just said, get out of here. And they're still, you know, they have to pay that massive amount of money. And they're, I, can, I don't know if I can name after Garrett Richards, who got hurt and out for the year. I don't know if I can name too many other their starting pitchers.
2: And apparently, Sosha's untouchable because well, yeah. no matter
1: what's happening... And even going back to last year, he had
2: he was at war with the, with the GM, and over sabermetrics, applying yeah. sabermetrics, and uh, of course mm. he won, and that guy moved on.
1: They still got Pujols there. Cole Calhoun's a good player. Oh, they made that big trade for Angelton Simmons. Yeah, but the, uh, what's depressing about the Angels is they have by far the worst farm system in the whole league. So not only are they terrible, but there is not really any reinforcements on their way. So you got to kind of feel bad for Mike Trout a little bit. But he's also he signed that big contract recently, so financially he's being taken care of. <laughs> uh
0: all right, so my biggest surprise and this I think is going to speak more to my ignorance than to the actual reality of the situation, but the Texas Rangers are 52 and 31. They That's are good. Far better than I anticipated. And I know Nick early on in, in one of our early episodes tried to, you know, tell me that they don't stink anymore.
1: I tried to tell you. That. I
0: know you did. I know you did. But like, you know, they they have one more win than the Cubs and one more loss than the Cubs. So technically, the Cubs have a better record by point zero zero three percent. But still, they have the best record in the American League, and.
1: And arguably the best farm system. I read yesterday that I think a scout said they had like 17 legit prospects. So look for them; they're going to make a move and um, get some, get one or two really good pieces to add. I I would see a, a pretty good starting pitcher going there, similar to Cole Hamels last year. But yeah, they're only going to get better too as the year goes out. And they're, I mean, they've got. That's even with Prince Fielder really struggling at the beginning of the year, and they've yeah. got the top prospect on baseball two years ago, Jerks and far and he can't even find the field right now. It's kind and, of crazy. And Bannister is a good manager. He's a good leader of that team. Yeah, didn't he win Manager of the Year last year? I think he did. But he, I think he, yes, yeah, last year was his first year, right? Yeah, he
2: just sets a tone. I mean, he sets a tone for that team, and he's tough-minded in there. They're following suit.
0: Yeah, so I just, uh, that that is a Mia culpa. I had no idea they were going to be this good. And because, honestly, we thought between, I think, Nick and I that he obviously had a higher uh, higher esteem for the Rangers than I did. But we both thought the Astros were the team to beat yeah. in that division. And yeah. they have come back very, very strongly from their awful start. But they're still feeling the effects of their awful start. I mean, they're, they're four games above 500 now. Um, but you know, kudos to the Rangers for, for making me, uh, you know, eat crow.
2: And when you think about the way they lost last year, um, in the playoffs, it was just such a, such a painful, uh, way to lose a baseball game and that big comeback with the bat flip and everything. And, and, you know, to keep that team together and, and to come back stronger than ever this year, you know, that you, you just, you don't do that without, you know, a good, a good leader. All right. Well, since we're talking about
0: managers, I feel like that should be our next discussion here. We're going to jump down the line. I'm making that executive decision, gentlemen. All right. What do you guys think makes, or sorry, what do you think it takes to be a good manager in the Major League Baseball?
1: Well, we, I think we touched on this a few episodes ago. Um, uh, we t- were we were talking about Joe Madden but I think he exhibits a lot of uh the the attributes that you need I think on a basic level you need to no- know how to to interact and um understand motivate uh, people um and especially within the big league context um you got you got a lot of egos in the, in there uh, sometimes you have some fragile psyches of you know players who are going through separate, uh, different slumps or whatever. You you have your young guys that same token maybe are struggling to uh, feel like they belong, or maybe on the other end they're off to a good start and they need to be humbled a little bit. So I think you need to understand people. You need to understand when when to be serious, when to like really push in that regard, but also times to take a step back, make it make it fun. Um, put yourself out there as far as maybe making yourself look like a, a fool or showing more light started light hearted side of you to just with that same thing and be able to connect um, with individuals so that's kind of the old-timey uh, understanding people aspect but I think making good manager too is understanding where the where the game is headed as far as being more of a thinking man's game and understanding statistics and understanding that t- uh, statistics don't necessarily tell you the whole story, but you can you can use them for your benefit. They do, um, I believe, give you certain advantages of uh, being able to know maybe what's more likely than not. You know, you're never going to fully know, which is what's great about the game, but you need to know that certain statistics, certain maybe spray charts can help you in uh, knowing where to shift or... Um, where to hit certain players, what to value as far as uh, skill sets that different players have. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say those two things would be, I think, what it takes to be a, uh, a good manager. But I know my dad has some Yeah, some I don't thoughts. think my
2: answer will be quite as long, but, I, you know, you have to have a vast baseball knowledge of the game. But I look at different managers. There's, You know, you get the guys that were stars in the league. Um, you've got other guys um, who maybe had failed minor league careers, never made it to the majors. Um, you, um, so if you're going to be if you're going to be one of those, you know, two main types, there, I think maybe a Sparky Anderson. I mean, he didn't have a he didn't have a I don't know if he made it out of the minor leagues. You know, I I, I I've never went back and researched his playing career, but I doubt that he had much success at all beyond the minor leagues. Uh, but he was a tremendous manager. Um, then you look at guys like Lou Pinella, who was a star, a star in the league, and he was a great manager. Uh, look at what what he did not only with that one year, big year with the Reds, but man, what he did in Seattle was incredible. Um, but I think the main thing is you have to be a man's man. You have to be a leader of men. Um, you have to have you you have to undoubtedly be in charge, and the guys know that you're in charge and whether they agree with you or not um they're going to respect you and follow you and um i think that's just a really hard thing to quantify but i know it from from my perspective i think i can kind of see it in different guys and and there's guys that inherit really bad teams but they're probably not going to have success as a manager whereas if they came in with the more talent they might be able to prove out and and be different but I just think you just have to have that intangible leadership quality that makes guys want to go to, go to war for you, and um, and I know that's kind of a hard thing to quantify, but uh, there's a lot of guys as I look down through the list that have been able to do that, and and I do I do think um, if you're going to be a former a former player, I think a catcher's a good position to come from if you're going to be a good manager. bochi's a good example of that. I mean, there's just so much that you control in the game, uh, being a catcher so much that you understand about the game just from years of experience um so yeah that's just a few of my thoughts but uh when I see a guy that I don't think has it it just drives me nuts and I I get jealous when I see teams that have guys (laughs) that do have that that uh that quality so
1: I take it you don't think the Reds have that guy no I don't (laughs) I,
2: I I, I haven't from the beginning so you know and I don't blame him for their losing right now but um He's in a very bad position, but I just don't think he's a guy that's going to lead him forward either.
1: So, so anyway, I think you only have about half a season left of him, and then he'll be gone. I'm interested in Cam's thoughts. Well, as well,
0: I I certainly agree with both of you guys. Um, and the word that, um, the the two words that kept coming to mind as you guys were talking were charisma and trustworthiness. And charisma not so much in the uh, sensational, you know, like, ooh, ha, he's he's charismatic, he's loud and entertaining, but in the 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 term where you see a guy, that that intangible leadership ability where guys wanna want to follow him even if things aren't going right, that that just that intangible um personality trait that just attracts people around them to kind of move in the same direction i think that is an absolute must and if you look at you know the best coaches you know regardless of sport you see that in them you may not like pete carroll the dude's got charisma his players play for him absolutely and you know there's a lot of people that don't like pete carroll that's fine he's a good football coach he wins everywhere he goes and he went through tribulation early in his career where he wasn't winning. And he He was a
2: laughing stock for a while. Exactly. The and
0: then he got his stuff together and he figured it out and he's turned himself into a good football coach. And you've got guys, you mentioned Sparky Anderson. Thank you so much for mentioning him. He needs to be mentioned every episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um You know, guys like Joe Madden, you know, when he brought the Rays from, you know, zero to hundred, that was him as a manager. Knowing when to push the right buttons, when to have them all wear goofy suits on a road trip, when to drop the hammer on, on guys. So I think, yeah, it is that the the innate ability to understand people and the guts to act when it's required. Um, and you combine that with a knowledge of, of the game and a um, attitude of not being afraid to try new things and you've got, you know, the the quintessential manager and
1: um that's my big one too, I think. I I get a little frustrated in today's game about the yeah, the lack of creativity or wanting to do something new. It's kind of just how things have been done with, with how, you know, lineups are created or um are you talking about way- Dusty
0: Baker right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, to a degree. I I mean, <laughs> It's a lot of managers that kind of do it where, you know, you'll see Joe Madden, He was, he's very innovative in how he does things, and he's not afraid to think out of the box in certain regards. And, you know, you can maybe take that too far, but I think just the willingness to um, do things a little bit differently or try things, I think I think that's important in anything you do. I'll tell you, when I became a Madden fan, I was, was – I uh, can't remember what year it was, but
2: they'd come into Boston uh, to play the Red Sox, and, uh, of course, they were just – you know, huge payroll, all this talent. And I can't remember the year now. Wish I wish I could pinpoint the year. I'm not sure what year he actually took over the Rays. But um, I just remember that they come in there and they're just pounding on the Red Sox in this series. Just taking it to them. And I just remember looking at the dugout and thinking, who is this guy? I mean, these players aren't worried about all the things i got going against them. You know, no budget, no expectations, little talent. And... This guy's got them believing that they can beat anybody, and they did. I mean, they were just taking it to the Red Sox, and it was just so impressive. And I'm just from – that, from that moment on, I was just a fan of his, followed his career. He's just got it. I mean, he's just got that intangible.
1: Yeah, he's, he's good at his job.
0: <laughs> well, and just, just think, of all of the current managers that, you know, are in or around baseball – what other guy would you pick to potentially lead the Cubs to their World Series victory?
2: Yeah, I, I know when they hired him, I just thought, oh Exactly. Here <laughs> it goes. They're, Here we They're go. finally <laughs> going to pull it off. And, Here we go.
0: And I think that and even if they don't win the World Series with him as the manager, he has, I think, been – how do I want to say this? I think – he will be influential in their future success, just with his mm-hmm. time there currently. Based on changing the culture and changing the expectations, and obviously you got to give that to Theo Epstein as well, coming over from the Red Sox and and trying to rebuild right. the organization.
2: But um, I made a joke, uh, made a little internet um, meme, I guess, when when uh, Theo went to the to the Cubs, and I, I posted a picture um, of the Rookie of the Year, you know, the cover of that movie, and I. I said, is this Henry Gruden Gardner? And I equated him with Theo Epstein in in a joking way. But I knew when I did that, I thought, yeah, I'm making fun of this right now. But later on, he's going to be laughing and everybody else on the Cubs are going to be laughing because they're going to win a World Series because they hired him. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, Nick, what's our next topic, sir?
1: All right, guys. What are, from what we know today, what are our current World Series predictions? as far as who do we think is going to be the the representatives and then who's going to win. My so my preseason pick was Astros versus Cubs. So the Astros are rebounding and making me look a little bit better. I think I'm going to stick with the Cubs in the National League. and They've hit a bit of a rough patch here, but I think at the end of the day, their talent, Joe Madden, etc., is going to put them in there. Um, and then American League I think I think I'm going to have to go with the Rangers and not to be the guy that takes the two best team but I think with the, with the talent they have especially if they add another front line starting pitcher to go with um, Hamels and then they got Darvish coming back soon from injury they, uh, they could be a tough out and that, that would be a pretty good World Series I think I'll still I'll I'll stay with the Cubs to win it all.
2: Well, I hadn't really expected to talk on this topic, but uh, I tell you, I I think that the Blue Jays and the Rangers are headed for a rematch in, a in, in the pennant. <laughs> well, I don't know if it, it will be in the pennant, and uh, I think there's going to be maybe a different outcome this year. I do think that the Rangers are probably going to end up in the World Series. Um, In the National League, uh, I think the Giants, and I'm not saying this because of that stupid even-year thing, (laughs) because that is stupid. It's very plausible (laughs) at this point. But I think that's just a team that, uh, you know, they've just got, they know how to win, they've got a good manager, they've got a great program in place, and of course they've got a pitching staff now that,
1: Bochy's another guy that I would want to manage they've got, team.
2: A, they've got a scary pitching staff and a much improved Jeff Samarja, um, who's actually looking like a reliable pitcher now. And, <laughs> and uh, your favorite pitcher
1: ever, Donnie Gordon. Yeah,
2: I can't. I'm not even going to. I'm not going to be negative. Quite a swag. I'm not going to be negative. But, um, but I don't know how the Cubs are going to meet their demise. I don't know if it's going to be through the Nationals or, <laughs> or the Giants. I'm not sure how that's
1: going to shake down yet, but I just the Mets have been them eight straight time. Exactly.
2: I'm just not sure. I'm not I'm not saying this to, you know, to be hateful to the Cubs, but I just don't see see them in the World Series. Maybe I'm wrong, but I won't be surprised if Madden takes them there, but I'm just not I'm not so sure. There's some other really good teams there in the National League as well. So
0: Yeah, as I'm, you know, look, looking over this, there seems to be and this just might be my um My bias that all American League teams besides the Tigers are garbage, which I realize is you know (laughs) illogical in every possible (laughs) opportunity uh, uh, situation. But um, yeah, with the Nationals, the Cubs, the Giants, um, even the Mets, like there's there's good teams in the National League, and I think that that. Playoff race is going to be good. I think ultimately I'm going to have to stick with the Cubs just because that's what I did at the beginning of the year. Um, I'm going to ride that um, just to make my wife happy. And then
1: it's always a good thing. Well, Nobody's you know, got the Royals
2: repeating. Wow. No, well, <laughs> you know
0: where I live, Gary. Come on. <laughs>
2: you know they're just not they're just
0: not doing it right now. Well, you know I'm okay with that. It's tough to repeat. Yeah. People on it people is. on Facebook are freaking out here, and it's really funny what happened to last year's team? Why Why can't this team be that good? And, I'm just like, oh. and it's all people that d- d- have never watched baseball until the playoffs <laughs> last year, but that's, that's another story. <laughs> um, so the American League. So I believe that I had the Tigers versus the Cubs because I'm a total homer, a total homer, and I realize <laughs> that. Um, that being said, the Tigers would make the playoffs if the season ended today. So my pick is still alive. But I'm going to be a little more intelligent now that I've had 13 episodes of Nick and Gary teaching me about baseball. And uh, I'm going to say that it will be the Red Sox versus the Cubs. Hmm. Very interesting. I think Baltimore is getting no love from any of us. And they're still in first place. I do like
2: Baltimore. I, I didn't mean to leave them. No, out. no. I, I don't, yeah, I don't see them as a pennant winner, but they are. They are a very interesting team. Yeah, uh,
0: I think it's impressive that they're still as good as they are. Um, but I just, I don't know. Ever since Boston came back and from three-one to beat the Yankees and then swept the World Series, they've always just had this, you know, appeal. I suppose. Um, to me so we shall see I think there's you know obviously the Indians uh, have strong pitching as Nick has already pointed out and are currently um, in recovery from a massive win streak so you never know with the playoffs but I have to make a choice so
2: it'll be fun to look down the road and see, see uh, how accurate these midseason predictions are
0: <sighs> yeah because if I'm right I'm calling up ESPN and asking for a job
1: all right um maybe we can try to be a little bit more rapid fire with these next ones um things in baseball that annoy us do we do we only get one one response i think you could do a couple if you have
0: them no. things that annoy me in baseball these stupid helmets that the first and third base coaches wear
1: without uh the ears. yeah flips. they just look silly Well,
2: that's all because of Tommy Lasorda, probably, right? Maybe. Well, I get where he got hit.
0: I I get that they should wear them, but give them an ear flap so they don't look like Uh, they don't look like you know this is the special helmet for the not for the non players. Yeah, I I think
2: it actually reminds me of a kid growing up because they had helmet giveaways at the ballpark and um, back in the '70s, you know, go to Riverfront Stadium to watch the Big Red Machine and you would get your um, free helmet. Without an ear flap yes. on either side, and we would take them home, and of course we would put them on and go out in the yard and and play baseball in them. Well, now so I feel we terrible. As, we looked as dorky as the <laughs> the base coaches did it, it them, re- I'm sure
1: it reminds me of nachos. I was gonna say, yeah, or well, ice cream. <laughs> yeah, well, then turn one of those right. bad boys over and put some nachos in there. Yep. yep. Um, I think this one is just this is like my number one thing that annoys me in all baseball the Cardinal way or the best fans in baseball, which is uh self uh given by Cardinals fans, but it just oh, they're just it's so like what's the I don't even know what word I'm looking for, but they're just they have this high view of themselves and the way they do things and they think they're above all scrutiny and they think they're entitled to winning the division every single year. Um, so it's, it's been kind of fun to watch them struggle a little bit this year and just to see the, uh, the anger, frustration come out in um, their lack of, I guess, success or the Cubs being way better. And it's just like, do you realize how, look, how good you guys have had it for 15 years now? And just dear goodness, you guys are still like a good baseball team. Like look at the cycles that other teams have had, but. That and that's I mean it's it's perpetuated by the media and and whatnot. There's um there's a few teams that seem to garner the most coverage um, by the media, and they're they're definitely one of them. So that that would be the top of my list of things that annoy me about baseball. For me, it'd
2: be personal catchers. Um, I I hate personal catchers with, well, not personal catches personally, but uh, the idea of a personal catcher. Uh, just so much. I can't even tell you. And, uh, this all started a few years ago, um, when Devin Mezarako came up for the Reds and they were touting him as this just unbelievably, um, talented catching prospect, both defensively and offensively. And, um, brian price you know took over as manager and we had a struggling offense you know we just struggled to produce runs but we did we did we still had johnny cueto so every fifth day we could run an ace out you know that would rival anybody's ace in the league well it just so happened that we had picked up a free agent catcher named brian pena from the tigers and um brian and johnny hit it off um You know, they both spoke the same language from Cuba, you know, they're from Cuba, and uh, they hit it off, and Johnny Quater decided that he needed Brian Pena as a personal catcher. So as the year wore on, um, Devin would get on these little hot streaks with the bat and just be raking. And Johnny's start would roll around and he'd find himself on the bench. And I would think, you've got to be kidding me, you know. And then there would all these excuses would be made about it was communication, you know. And there was, an, they needed an interpreter and all these, you know, none of that was true. But, so that's where it started. But then since then, I've noticed other things, you know. And I noticed <clears throat> already we have a young pitcher who's still considered a rookie, John Lamb. And and we're already gravitating towards a personal catcher with him. My theory is this: If you are going to be a successful major league baseball team, you are going to have a good quality catcher. He is going to be. He may not be Johnny Bench, but he is going to be the guy on that team. Buster Pone, Buster Posey, um, Salvador Perez, guys of this ilk. You know, guys that are capable of winning MVPs. Um, But even if you're not MVP level, you're going to have to have a catcher who is a team leader who is just a stud that you're going to look to, Yadier Molina, a guy that's going to catch more days than not, doesn't need days off, and certainly not dependent on who's on the mound that day. And so Brian Price even made a quote where he came out and said to reporters, if you're asking me if I'm selecting um, run uh, prevention Overrun scoring, then then the answer to that is yes, I am, and I thought that was such a ridiculous comment based on how hard it was for the Reds to score runs. So that's where it started. But I've kind of noticed. I think the only situation where personal catchers should apply is obviously knuckleballers. I understand that's a very specialized thing to be able to catch a knuckleball, you know. And then there's some cases. I know Bronson Arroyo had a personal catcher. He threw a lot of junk, a lot of different arm angles. And if you worked with him on a regular basis and you knew his repertoire, it was probably to your advantage. Um, there's some other cases, like I know um, Clayton Kershaw kind of likes to have A.J. Ellis behind the plate um, as a preference. But, you know, I've noticed the Dodgers don't always grant him and accommodate him in that regard. And it kind of depends on how things are going offensively. So uh, I know Nick said not to go on too long, so I'm not going to go any – longer on this topic, but that is something that really fires me up. All right. Favorite current player,
0: not on your favorite team.
1: Uh, This was, I've got a few. I think the first guy that came to mind, I really love watching Clayton Kershaw pitch. Part of that is probably because he's the best pitcher probably of our era. And just from what I've gathered, he seems like a really quality person as well. Um, so I think that coupled with, because I have MLB TV, so I can kind of uh, watch different broadcasts if I want. And I love watching Hall pitch and listening to Vince Scully uh, cover that. That is just like, if I wasn't a Reds fan, that would be, that would be so much, um, so much fun to. I mean, even being a Reds fan, it's. I appreciate the the legend of Vince Scully, but also how good Kershaw is. So I I Kershaw and I, I mean Posey, even though he's killed us in the past. He I recognize him as just being so vitally important and so good as a catcher, but also a really good offensive catcher as well. So I'd, I, I guess I'd appreciate those guys and how they how good they are at what they do.
2: Good choices. I think for me, um, I really enjoy watching Jose Altuve play. Uh, there's just something about that guy. He's just, um, whether it's defensively, offensively, he is just so much fun to watch play. Um, and Carlos Stanton's another favorite. I mean, I know he can hit some dry spells that are pretty incredible, but uh, uh, when he is on, he is just one of the most fun players to watch play, and, and he's made some incredible um, plays in the outfield as well. Uh, so there's a couple that I really enjoy watching.
0: Does it matter if they were once on my favorite team,
1: uh, but have no, not been no. for a while? No. That's fine. Okay,
0: if that's fine, then I choose Curtis Granderson because he's a ton of fun to watch, and he's a good guy. And I remember when he was on the Tigers, he um, you know just very active in the community. Um, just seems like a stand-up guy and. My uncle runs a um well nick you'll know this obviously you were you were his intern uh runs the largest little league in the city of detroit and it's completely um faith based it's it's super cool eagle sports you should check it out but uh Curtis Granderson came to um one of the events uh one of the biggest events they had and and spoke and and met a lot of the young players and families and stuff and uh, I just always loved watching him play center field. He he always seemed on the edge of not getting there, but he always got there. Um, so I choose Curtis Granderson as my for, favorite player.
2: Very well-rounded baseball player. Yeah,
0: for sure. He's not the best at anything, but he's very good at a lot of different things.
1: I always remember being up there that summer, and that was when – he was traded. so That was a big deal. I would talk about. I was
0: shocked when they traded him to the Yankees.
1: Yeah, it, that, that just was a big deal. came.
0: I was like, he's the face of the franchise outside of outside of. I mean, you've got him, Cabrera, and Verlander. Were like the guys, and mm-hmm. yeah, I was just blown away. And I was like, who the crap is Austin Jackson? Why did we make this deal?
1: Yeah, he didn't really. He didn't work out. He had a couple good years, but yeah, I mean he 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 was good for a while, but. You know, not what they probably expected
2: sounds as if you were crestfallen ooh good, good word, all right, guys, favorite
0: baseball cliche. <laughs> I go first, he's fast for a catcher <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean?
2: Oh god I like um I like the term stuff, yes, um you know, and. <laughs> <coughs> That actually means something completely different depending on the the picture that you're talking about because no one has the same stuff. They all have different stuff. Um, but yeah, his stuff has never been better. His stuff is on tonight. Yes. Sometimes then, of it's course, filthy. Sometimes it's nasty. Right. <laughs> and if you if your stuff is really working, then you're dealing, and that would be another one. <laughs> I love it. You know. Um, so and so is
1: dealing tonight. So there's a couple one thing that scouts say a lot of times when they're evaluating a player is they evaluate his makeup so you know a guy will have a a plus plus makeup or questionable makeup and that just i always yeah I they,
2: they use plus on every in every facet of their analysis
1: yeah basically means if the guy's a jerk or not if he's a jerk he has got questionable makeup but if he you know he's a gamer that's another one i guess gamer um he's a baseball playing jesse i
2: i can't remember who to attribute that to but i heard that once some man some former major league manager commented about a player and just said that guy is a baseball playing jesse (laughs) i don't even know what that means i don't either but i love (laughs) it.
1: the unwritten rules is another good one yeah don't
0: step on the pitcher's mount if you're not the pitcher
1: Somewhere those r- those rules are written, or else how do we know what they are? Mm. Very ironic. But, yeah, those are some good ones. Um, next one. Most overrated and underrated player today. What do you guys think? Hmm. This is a tough one. One thing, I th- the first player I... Underrated is... A little bit tough just because i can be very subjective i don't know if he's underrated maybe he's not i i think buster posey just without him there's no way the giants went through world series in, in five years um and yeah he's a superstar people know who he is but um you know bum got a ton of credit for the, the the royals one um and the giants just i mean they this one of the things they played really well but i think just the the su- success they've sustained for they've never had teams that i was just blown away by of being like these are just dominant teams they just they took a bunch of guys that i mean they you look at their infield now they got matt duffy uh Brandon Crawford, Joe Panic, and Brandon Belt—like <laughs> most major league teams, you would say have just as much or more talent in the infield. You know, Hunter Pence has been hurt quite a bit recently. They've got Denard Span and Angel Pagan. Just, they just—they don't have a bunch of guys that just blow you off the the doors. But he's been the constant throughout all of that. And I mean, the guy—I hate this term—but he's a winner. Is that another cliche? Yeah, it's another cliche. Bartula Colon, that guy's got to be pretty underrated too for what he's done. A lot of people like to make fun of how fat he is, but he's still a good pitcher. I
2: don't know. I I find it surprising I'm talking about the Giants um, in in this episode. (laughs) I'm not a Giants fan in any shape or form, uh, but I'd say Brandon Crawford might be the most underrated player in the league. I mean, he just seems to be at the center Along with Posey, I mean, he's just in another incredible piece on that team that that just is, um, you know, playing a key position, and he's just rock solid defensively, and he's just one of those guys that will come up with a big hit when when they need it. So, even though he gets a lot of publicity, I still think he's probably somewhat underrated, and um, as far as being overrated, boy. There's probably a lot of guys that would fall into <laughs> that category. Yeah, there's quite a um, few. Hmm. May have to come back to you on that. I had one, and it just slipped my mind. All right, so my
0: uh, my overrated pick is Zach Grinke. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one.
0: And that's solely based on how much money the Diamondbacks threw at him and how just not good. He's just on the DL now, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he's strained his oblique, I so saw. He's going to be out for a while.
0: Yeah, so he's uh he's my overrated pick. My underrated pick. This is this is the tricky one because so often, you know, when we read about, you know, articles or or what's on the MLB Network or sports center is is the guys that are overachieving or the guys that are underachieving and rarely do the people that are just really really solid. And here's another cliche, glue guys um rarely ever get the credit and um
1: I think that Oh man, this is really tough.
0: My most underrated player in the entire league. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. There's so many players,
1: Nick. Just the first one that comes to your mind.
0: Uh okay, this is going to be a total homer pick. Everyone, everyone thinks that Verlander's career is done. I think that they are underrating what he still has left to give. That may be a, that may be a very good example. He's certainly on the back end of his career for sure, but he's still much better than I think what people are expecting.
2: And along the and along the pitching lines, I think it just came back to me who came to mind as my most overrated, and that would be Matt Harvey. that's a good one that is a great pick
1: (laughs) that's a great one yeah he basically had one good half year he hasn't really done much since then i gosh i have several too which this one's kind of easy now but even when he was good Pablo sandoval just always seems so overrated to me he he never like he had a good world series that one year he also has the best be...
0: nickname in all of sports, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and he just never seemed like that good of an athlete. <laughs> and as, yeah, they signed, he signed on him the for that massive is. contract, and he's, yeah, he's been awful. So maybe I'm a little late on that one, but Pablo Sandoval, yeah, really overrated. I mean, when you come to
2: camp this day and age, ob- morbidly obese. obese, and, you know, on a major league roster, I mean, there there is red flags. I mean... You have every motivation in the world to be in shape. Matt Harvey, that was a good one, though. I just... Yeah, Matt Harvey can't figure out whether he wants to be serious about his career. I mean, he's he uh, he wants to be, you know, the guy about town and wants to be known, you know, for other things outside of the game. So, I don't know. He, he likes the whole Dark Knight thing.
1: <laughs> Harvey Day. Yeah, so... I don't know. I'd much rather have Syndergaard or DeGrom. Yeah. I mean. Yep. All right, and then our last one. I know we're going a little long here. Um, this is a pretty big question. I don't even know if we can cover this, but we'll take a, sh- or a shot or at it. Uh, do people who took steroids, so Bond, Sosa, Clemens, et cetera, deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely not. Okay. I tend to
2: agree. I just don't know how you draw the line on who, you know, who who did and who didn't do it. I mean, how do you – do you have to have some kind of um,
1: – More of the people that have tested positive
2: in the past. Yeah, I guess, yeah. But there's going to be a lot of people that will get in that um, did the same things but didn't get caught, so I guess. but No,
0: and I think you're absolutely right about that for sure, uh, but – I think you- you're only you only, you know, uh binary there is, did you get caught or did you not? Right. And I I you know, that may allow some guys in that but we're never going to know. You know, and I just I I I can't understand how if you knowingly cheated to uh you knowingly cheated and that cheating gave you an advantage to be better at what you did how you could even be considered to be put into the Hall of Fame with guys that did incredible things without cheating. Like why why give those why give those people that that purposefully broke the rules to be better the same platform as the guys like Ty Cobb and Johnny Bench that did it the right way?
2: Yeah, and what's interesting is when those two names that I see on the screen of Bonds and Sosa, you've got Two completely different things going on there. You've got Sosa, who probably would have been a guy whose name you might not even remember had he not um, used steroids throughout his career. He would have had a very ordinary and average um, career, Um, just like a lot of other baseball players. But Bonds would have been in the Hall of Fame anyway. He's already good, yeah. (laughs) He would have made it without him. He would have made it without him. He was awesome before his head he grew could, two sizes. Right. He could do it all. So so I don't think Soso would have even sniffed it without it. And I think Bonds would have, you know, had he not probably messed it up.
1: Yeah, I agree. I was trying to think of ways to be contrarian just to make it interesting. but
2: The one thing I can't figure out when we always talk about steroids is Raphael Palmeroid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a guy that never fit the prototype of a guy on steroids i mean his body type i mean he just didn't seem that impressive of a stature when he was on them so I, but you know i never could i never would have pinned him as a guy that was a user maybe maybe he took diet steroids yeah less calories I don't know. <laughs> Slum, I think it was slimming ones. I think it was Jim Rome that would have to credit with that nickname. Um, I think that's where I heard
1: that.
0: You know what? My life has been so much better since I stopped listening to his voice. Yeah, I realized
2: <laughs> I was probably opening up some kind of a can of worms just by mentioning <laughs> that name. Yeah, he's he's annoying. Yeah,
1: his clones or whatever.
2: Yeah, if he if, for... if he could dispose of all of that nonsense, you know, he just does speak English. <laughs> he does have some he does have some good insight. And I remember being really upset with him when uh, Griffey got traded back to Cincinnati because he was he was coming out and he was just telling, you know, what a huge mistake this was and I mean, I'll give him credit. I I believe he was right. Um his career was never the same um once he left Seattle and um a very in my mind a lot of people think it was the greatest thing ever still but i think it was a very forgettable career after he after that trade and he saw it coming before he ever played a inning for the reds so
1: life of a reds fan sad violin
2: <laughs> but i believe what i've learned from the show tonight uh, is sparky anderson is the tie that binds cam and the Coates' together yes. because we both He'll always be a red, though. We both have our claim to Sparky Anderson. (laughs) He won a World Series for both of us. Indeed. That's pretty cool.
0: Both before I was born. Sad day.
1: Eh, it still counts.
0: I'm not saying it doesn't count. I'm just saying that... Yeah, you didn't get to experience it. Exactly. All right, well, I think that brings us to the end of episode 14 of Mendoza Line. Do you agree, gentlemen?
1: Yeah, unless you
2: want to add no, I think it's a wrap. It's been really, it's been really fun. I've enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, no, we, uh, I, I will speak for Nick here. Uh, we are both super glad that you were able to join us for the show live, Gary. This was super cool. i uh, really happy.
2: Just unexpected. Enjoyed it for sure.
1: Nicholas, Cameron, same same time next week. Sounds good. All right, uh, end of the first half next week into the All Star game. Kind of crazy.
0: Yes, and next week's episode will be totally dedicated to dissecting the aesthetics of the All Star jerseys.
1: And how how <laughs> wrong the All Star teams were exactly that they picked and compared how- to ours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back next week with episode fifteen. See you later.
1: Bye.